Welcome to the Safe Passage for Children of Minnesota podcast. Safe Passage for Children's mission is to ensure that Minnesota has a child welfare system in which children are safe and can reach their full potential. This series of episodes will take a closer look at our short weekly policy blog, or eBrief, to give you an inside look into Minnesota child welfare legislation, policies, and practices happening right now in Minnesota affecting abused and neglected children, as well as those who work with or care for them. It is our goal that this podcast is educational, informative, and bold, increasing collective knowledge on these issues, as well as raising our voice to speak up for the needs and the safety of vulnerable Minnesota children. If you know someone who cares about children, be sure to share this podcast with them. Stick around for this week's eBrief podcast episode featuring Safe Passage for Children's Executive Director, Rich German. The Fostering Higher Education Act, which is Senate File 1306 and House File 1802 in Minnesota, is sponsored by Foster Advocates, a nonprofit. And it will offer fosters, which is their term for youth who are or have been in foster care, a debt-free way to attend a state college, university, or participating private institution. This bill covers the total cost of attendance, which is important because even fosters who get scholarships sometimes can't use them due to the added costs of fees, books, supplies, and meal plans. A colleague of ours who has covered these items for youth says that they add $1,500 to $2,000 a year in expenses. In this bill, the state will only pay for costs not covered by other grants or scholarships, and Minnesota higher education institutions will receive $86 million in additional Pell and related grants as a result of this act. Help support this legislation. Watch for our email next week with a link and a message to send to your state representative and senator. Now, many organizations reach out to disadvantaged youth in an effort to get them into higher education. So these include programs like College Possible, as well as colleges that have done an excellent job of recruiting students, particularly students of color over the years, by developing relationships with high school counselors in the poorest school districts. And programs like Pell Grants and other state grants also are geared up to help poor students get access to higher education. But as the Fostering Higher Education Act reveals, there are other expenses involved in going to college that become barriers even for students who have a full scholarship. This bill covers fees, books and supplies, and room and board that are not covered by the scholarship. It has gone through the committees in the Minnesota House and Senate much more quickly than most bills, and we hope that signals solid support for fosters and for the ongoing work of the organization that developed the bill, Foster Advocates. 
The physical note attached to this act says that nationally, fosters are less than half as likely as their peers to enroll in college, and that only 3 to 10% attain bachelor's degrees, compared to 32.5% of non-fosters. Ultimately, only 1.9% of fosters, according to a research study known as the Midwest Study, completed a two-year degree, and the percentage who complete a four-year degree on time, meaning by age 21, was so low that it was rounded down to zero. Then in addition, as many students and parents have learned painfully, it is really complicated to navigate the admissions and financial aid processes to get into any higher education institution. The federal FAFSA application alone is enough to cause many potential college attendees and their exasperated parents to give up. We have a colleague who has paid for costs that young people actually need to go to college like clothes, transportation to and from school, perhaps a used laptop, and personal items, and simply the flexibility of having $5 in your pocket to cover your share of the pizza when your study group meets. This colleague estimates that these, quote, extra, unquote, costs add up to $1,500 or $2,000 a year. And of course, they're not extra because they're actually required to take advantage of higher education. So this is a problem with getting fosters over that last mile to college attendance. And sadly, it's typical of how government operates. Take, for example, the United States Department of Agriculture, which has five major agencies like the Forest Service, each of which has dozens of programs. And each of these programs is tightly restricted by Congress and how its funds can be used. In fact, Congress appropriates funds specifically to each of the over 3,000 counties in the United States down to the program level. For example, if a program manager in a rural county in Montana has a $2,500 surplus in a rural housing project, but a deficit in a rural food support or transportation program, they can't combine or transfer the funds to maximize the intended benefits of each of these programs. Then if you really want to get metaphysical about this, a root problem is the tendency in Western culture to look at things from an analytical rather than a holistic viewpoint. As a result, we are great at the kind of molecular biology, for example, that brings us vaccines to resolve an epidemic. But on the other hand, we have so many medical specialists involved with a patient that we often are not very good at taking care of the whole patient himself. This is not to knock analytics or science. They have given us, what, space travel, modern medicine, major advances in sustainable agriculture, and numerous other benefits. But we need to balance this approach with the ability to step back and see how the whole process or organism is functioning. This problem has actually been solved in some human service organizations. A few notable local agencies, including El Paso County, Colorado, Anoka and Olmsted counties in Minnesota, and San Mateo County in California, have at least at certain points in their history taken the whole family or the whole individual as their starting point. San Mateo, San Mateo County, for example, has a committee 
that meets weekly and is comprised of the directors of all the major human services programs, which could be housing, veterans assistance, children's or adult mental health, child protection, cash assistance, juvenile justice, and other programs. And when a caseworker runs into an obstacle, they can bring the problem to this committee, which on a regular basis does whatever's needed to make the case plan work. That may be to allocate some flexible funds that they put aside in a special pool for this purpose, or to waive a regulation or a program requirement, or just give the worker permission to do something that isn't ordinarily allowed. Anoka County, Mississippi, put together a unit comprised of veteran workers from every county human services program, similarly, and that unit got assigned to the most complicated family situations, which they delicately referred to as train wrecks. I did a return on investment analysis of this program and found that for each cohort of 50 families, this process reduced the number of public programs being used from an average of nine to four. And despite the additional expense of the special unit, broke even within a year and saved a million dollars per cohort of 50 families within two years. This same kind of approach applied to youth aging out of foster care might, for example, designate one person to have the authority to develop a transition plan with the foster, and that caseworker would have access to whatever resources they needed to make the plan work. And obviously, the youth aging out of foster care would have the deciding voice in what the plan was and how it was implemented. So in sum, the Fostering Higher Education Act is an example of a creative effort to knit together a number of programs and funding sources that don't achieve the desired outcome in isolation, but can be integrated at the ground level to get the job done. Great. Well, with that, I want to thank you, Rich, for sharing your time and your expertise on these issues. Again, if you know someone who cares about children, be sure to share this podcast with them. Until next time, this is Safe Passage for Children of Minnesota, working to ensure that Minnesota has a child welfare system in which children are safe and can reach their full potential. If you'd like to learn more about Safe Passage for Children of Minnesota, please visit us on our website at safepassageforchildren.org. There you can sign up for our email list, read all of our eBrief blog posts, register for our free bi-monthly webinars, watch our featured videos, and more. You can also follow Safe Passage for Children of Minnesota on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, and LinkedIn.